the communion text is in Exodus. Three verses. Exodus 12, verses 12 to 14. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Uh, This occurred that last night before the final plague on Egypt, and the Israelites were essentially shooed out of Egypt by the Egyptians. And it was commemorated ever after, uh, all the way up until Jesus that night when he is having the final supper with his disciples. And they're celebrating. They're celebrating Passover. So whenever we see this Lord's table, it should remind us of Passover. It's a very, very clear correlation between the two. And uh, they relate in ways that I really wanted to kind of point out, in ways that that, uh, aren't necessarily immediately obvious, but we really should reflect on. It's, It's pretty amazing. Now, the Old Testament Passover, of course, pointed ahead to what was going to happen. Uh, the Son of God, the only Son of God, was going to die. And that's what happened all throughout Egypt. The oldest children died. The oldest sons died. And so here we have in the New Testament uh, practice a commemoration of all those deaths that have now been avoided because God is no longer executing us for our sins. He is saving us from that by the death of his Son. So I want to point out four uh, similarities and differences between this Old and New Testament. First, in the Old Testament Passover, those Jews were gathered in fear, awaiting the judgment of God. I can't imagine that they were very comfortable in their homes, being told as they were to wait for this angel of death that was going to come through. And yet in the New, we Christians gather in joy for what has happened. They were sitting there waiting for the acts of God's judgment to drop, and we are here basking in the blessing of God. In the old, they sat anxiously waiting. They were in traveling clothes. They weren't just sitting in their comfortable homes. They were sitting ready to move. And I don't care how much you look forward to a vacation. That last few minutes at home is not comfortable. Did I remember this? Did I remember that? Have I remembered everything? What am I going to do? It's very unnerving, unsettling. We have circled our house three times to verify our garage door is shut. (laughs) We we realize we didn't check it. We drive back around, get a minute away, and we forgot again. And so we're back. So that's an anxious time when you're about to go on this long trip. And they're leaving. They're not coming back. So this had to be anxious. But yet we, by contrast, are invited to a feast What do you do to prepare for a feast? I really like it when people invite us over and and we ask, what can we bring? They say, nothing, you know, just come, you know? I mean, I don't mind bringing stuff, but it's kind of interesting to just, we just want you to come, relax, don't worry about anything. And that's what we are invited to here. This is a feast. We We don't need to bring anything in this. As a matter of fact, that which you bring is not, we're welcome at that feast. So we're told by God, no worries, 
Don't worry about it. Again, in the old, the death comes mysteriously to those that reject God. Yet here, we have life come to us, again, mysteriously. We don't direct God's Spirit to bring life. God does it. Remember what Jesus told Nicodemus, the Spirit blows where it wills. We don't direct God, but God blesses us with life in that mysterious way. And so it's death versus life. And the last one is that God's act of judgment fell upon the unprotected there. And yet here, God's act of blessing comes upon his elect. We've got the judgment and the blessing, the death and the life, the anxiety and the feasting, the carefree attitude that God wants to have us have when we come to this table. Now, there was one thing that I wanted to share with you about this. In verse 12, it says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. Against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. And the Lord did execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. Numbers 33.4 says that explicitly. God executed judgment against all the gods of Egypt that night. And yet, let me read something to you from Ezekiel. And I've read this before, but it's been a few years, so I just wanted to remind us of it. I'll read to you from Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 5 to 8. Ezekiel 25 to 8. Say to them, thus says the Lord God, On the night when I chose Israel and raised my hand in an oath to the descendants of the house of Jacob and made myself known to them in the land of Egypt, I raised my hand in an oath to them, saying, I am the Lord your God. On that day, I raised my hand in an oath to them to bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them, flowing with milk and honey, the glory of all lands. Then I said to them, Each of you, throw away the abominations which are before his eyes, and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and would not obey me. They did not all cast away the abominations which were before their eyes, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. So the Israelites themselves saved idols from Egypt that God had destroyed that were not in their homes under their protection. Now, why do I bring that up? What's the corollary between us today? The fact is that we often protect idols. We don't want God to destroy our precious idols. We save them, we protect them, we want them. And yet the whole purpose of this and the reason that we love doing it every week is that it is a reminder that we are God's. We are not our own. God has purchased us at the price of Christ's blood. And so I ask you, as you come forward, you men, and as you partake, you family members, think that there is an idol trash bin that's being passed around that you can toss your idols into. That's what really you should be thinking about. That's the only thing you can do to prepare for this feast is get rid of any trash that you happened to bring with you to the feast. So let's do that now. Father, we thank you for the fact that this is your feast, this is your table. You have done all of this to your ends. And Lord, you just want us to partake. You want us to relinquish sin. You want us to cast off idols, not secret them away and have them escape from Egypt with us. So we pray, Lord, uh, each of us knows our secret sins. 
Each of us knows what it is that we don't want to give up. We know your word is opposed to it. We know your Holy Spirit is opposed to it. So we pray, Father, give us the courage in order to cast those idols away and not pick them up again. Be with us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.